secrets from a coach. Thrive and maximise your potential in the evolving workplace. Your weekly podcast with Debbie Green of Wishfish and Laura Thompson of Phenomenal Training. Debs. Law, how are you? I'm all right. What are you picking up from all your conversations? It's not been great. Um, people are, are struggling. They're tired. I think you know, just having a conversation with somebody just now who said that you know 2021 was going to be our saviour, um, and it hasn't quite worked out that way when we went back into that lovely lockdown. Um, and I think you know leaders and teams and are, are, are tired at the moment. I think that's what's coming through. I'm definitely picking that up as well. Whether it's massive groups, whether it's one-to-one conversations I've had, there's a feeling in the air. You can see it in people's faces and in their kind of tone of voices. Um, and do you know what? I, I, I think one of the things that I has sort of uh, fatigued me a bit is when I look online and I look around me, well, not around me, but when I look online, it's not particularly inspiring to look at what humans are up to now. It's not a very kind of motivating place to kind of look at. So I'm thinking, let's forget about what humans get up to. Let's have a look about nature and what animals can show us, almost as a bit of a metaphor in terms of how do they handle it? You know, what's yeah. their um, methods and their habits and routines, etc., for dealing with stuff? Because if we were on a migration right now and we were geese, I'm about to lose it over Newfoundland. <laughs> I can see land, <laughs> but this ocean is lasting <laughs> for much longer than I think I initially thought out when I set sail on, a, set sail on that journey. You know, I love to mix a metaphor. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, and I think even when you say it like that as a migration, you know, you kind of think, God, yeah, that's actually what it feels like. You know, we, we they do 3,000 miles geese in terms of um, how they migrate together. And it's always fascinated me about how do they go the distance as a team, um, in terms of how they sort of go about that. So, you know, the formation they fly in. Yeah. And of course, the pelotons, the cyclists, they, they copy that. So if you're in the middle of that bit, whether you're a goose or a cyclist, it's 40% less wind drag when you're in the middle. Yeah. So that's how they conserve energy. And then if you've been at the front taking all the headwinds for a while, you might be the lead in that moment. But part of that role you then take is you might fly to the back and then you get a bit of a rest for a while. And then the team kind of takes you through. But anyway, birds and the bees. Debs, what do you reckon we can learn from them in terms of... (laughs) I think, yeah, the birds and the... Those are the bees handling what we do and, and you know, up in the energy. And I think, you know, can I still um, fly alongside somebody and still support and give them the energy and the drive and determination to just keep going? Um, and I think if you're the leader from the front, you can't sustain that leadership from the front all of the time. So, you you know, you have to use your team and use them well um, so that you can have a bit of a breather and you can let somebody else, if you like, you know, um, you know, take you can still honk from behind as you said the other day which made me smile but um (laughs) you can still sort of role model the fact that actually we're all in this together um and we can fly in formation if you like and move forward together in this and I think that's the thing that's coming through law is this um being more together is what it's all about and and you know focusing on you know not what not necessarily what's urgent um but actually what's really important um, and taking that moment to think about that. And you see it, you know, like we, we talk something about this, the murmuration and how they work together. Um, and that bit around, you know, they, 
you know, they each bird sort of keeps tabs on like seven either side or in front and behind. And it's those, you know, and they ignore everything else. But what they do is they're communicating in such a way that enables the, you know, the, the flock, if you like, to to move and, you know, in formation um, in order. I mean, originally it's to fight, you know, to ward off predators and things like that because it's such a mass experience. But it's this, those twists and turns and how quickly, I suppose, can we adapt and flex and and twist and turn alongside it. Um, so what's actually, that murmuration then? Is, is that, yeah. is that, so tell, tell me about that so I can visualise it. Yeah, so if you've ever um, if you've ever gone down to Brighton, that's a great place to see it. But you can see it all, you know, in different coastlines where you just see flocks and flocks and flocks of starlings, and they are just moving so beautifully and gracefully. Normally at dusk time, um, but you just think the patterns they're developing and how do they not bash into each other? Um, and if you ever get a chance to see it, it's that the murmuration is that movement that happens with this flock of birds, the masses. There could be anything from six of them to probably probably 600 at times it looks like when you see it um and it's that bit that you know they I think when we look at that and you think they're making decisions really quickly they're adapting really quickly they are dependent immediately on the people that are around them or the birds that are around them the seven either side if you like front and back um and all of the time they're they're communicating and I think that multi-directional communication that they do um, with each other enables them to, you know, to not bash into each other for one, but they all know what they're doing and why they're there. And it's just beautiful to see. Um, and you're just mesmerised. How do they do that? Um, you know, so I think what comes out of that for me is that each one of those can be a leader and they can be a follower which I think is really important. Um, you know, no one is the leader, a bit like you were talking around, you know, with the geese analogy uh, and the peloton. No one person can be the leader all of the time, but they can also be followers. And I think that's the bit. How do we start to adapt and adopt that mindset, I suppose, um, as we are really tired and a little bit exhausted, um, maybe um, as leaders and team people, you know, members of the team as well. Wow. Do you know, I picked up something from um, someone who runs an enormous team. Um, it's pretty much a remote-based virtual team that she's mm. um, built up over this year. And it was a phrase she said, and I'd never heard it before, and it really kind of shone out for me, which is her goal is to create a team so strong you can't tell who the leader is. Yeah. And that yeah. was almost a completely about, that was a flip different from so many of the things that you read in leadership books and this kind of stuff. And it really got me thinking that could the greatest act of leadership, particularly if you're not physically in a physical space together, to recognise the moment where actually I'm going to just fly to the side for a minute to let, not only to get a bit of respite, so I'm energised, to be able to, put energy, you know, within the team when they need it. Mm. But also it's energising for the rest of the team as well, just to mix things up a little bit. If there's one person continually being drawn upon to start and end the meetings, to wrap up the conversations, to yeah. bring the kind of the ideas and the pull and, you know, the, the sort of the push energy, then that's going to become relentless for anyone. And actually what nature shows us is there will be an ebb and flow of who takes the lead and then at which point then do you decide to kind of back away a little bit not back off, but just move a little bit to shift the energy to move through. 
Otherwise, you're going to slow down because if the leader, yeah. if, 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 the, if the lead goose is so exhausted, they dive into the water, then you've got 300 <laughs> geese behind you <laughs> who are going to follow. Yeah, and all the animals in the ocean are going to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Go okay. through. But I think that's a I think that's a really good point, Law. But I think also for that leader, potentially, um, I always say they've just got to get over themselves and their ego has to stay out of it. Um, because there's that bit that says, you know, if you think that the what you know your team can't operate with without you, then you go, mm, yeah, really? Um, because you know, if you think that's what I do and that's what's important and I can lead this team to whatever, then you're not what I think is, is as, as a true leader. I think you're right. The best leaders I've ever seen are those that don't do empower the team. And if you like, they're, they're, they're guiding from the side, as you said, or the sidelines or just slightly from behind. And, and, you know, when they need to show up and be the leader and, you know, then they're there. But I think they do that because their egos aren't coming to play and they recognise the power and importance of, of having a team. Um, and they're there, if you like, to guide that team, like, you know, um, you know, steer the team in the right direction, empower them, but also be there if they need them. But I think, yeah, I think people, some some leaders we've met over time just need to get over themselves um, and think about how they form how they form the team um, really well to support them as well, just like nature does, as you said. I think it's really empowering to use um, nature as a metaphor because. Certainly what I've found is if I can't express how I'm feeling mm. and I can't find the word to describe it, then you just sort of carry on in a bit of limbo and you can't do anything to help yourself or help others. And sometimes just looking at a parallel scenario. So, for example, well, you know, we're all on this planet together. How do other species handle vast, long, arduous journeys yeah. where you're migrating from one world to another, which we're all in at the moment? How do they do it, you know, without um, mobile phones? So how, yes. how do they do it all? <laughs> And then, of course, once you've got a metaphor, you can then go, aha, if we were a flock of geese, yeah, yeah, we've all got our wings strapped at the moment. We're utterly knackered. What would a goose do in that scenario? And then suddenly you're empowered to decision make, notice, choose and act. As you always say, you can notice what's going yeah. on. Then you can make the choices and then you can do something about it. Yeah. And I think also then there's the recognition piece that comes into that. So, you know, you notice you're at your act, but also can you then recognise the achievements that people are doing um, because you formed the team really well and you're, you're, you're helping them through the various stages that, you know, they go through um, that in orders, it, that enables them to, you know, to be that, you know, perform at their best. Um, so stages, oh, that the Tuckman model. 1960s Bruce Tuckman created that and it wow. is such a useful bit of kit and I love it as, as I know you do as well when you sort of introduce it to people who've never sort of seen it before because it just very simply looks at what are the phases and the shifts in dynamics as a team um, develop um, and kind of you know progress together so for those of you who haven't come across it before it's just such an easy tool so um, you might recognise it when you hear the sort of the rhyming pattern but what Bruce Tuckman said is there are kind of four natural stages that human teams go through and they get together that you start off by forming 
so everyone's quite nice and polite and um you know they don't want to kind of they don't want to kind of make a ruckus so they kind of nod along sweetly because you don't want to sort of you know look the difficult one because when a team's in forming mode you're more concerned about preserving self-image than for the good of the team so I'm not quite ready to sacrifice my self-image yet because <laughs> I'm sort of working <laughs> out my identity compared to everyone else um so just think back to when we've been new starters you know you're kind of working out the team first of all then you get into storming which is where it all starts to sort of warm up a little bit where people are flexing and working out where does my personality edge relate to yours and typically that's where you might see things like um two people both thinking that they're taking that action from a meeting, for example. Yeah. So you might get a bit of duplication or it's just a little bit messy. And then you get into the norming stage, which is typically where a leader might go, right then, how about we... And that's where some of these routines and rhythms are put in. That's the norming stage where we're practising how to work together as leanly and efficiently as possible. And then you get into performing, which is... I will cover your back because I'm more concerned about us achieving our team goal than I am about my particular identity in that. So it's the bit where a choir practices so you don't hear the individual voice. Yes. is the, 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 the teamwork that happens within a choir where you, you shouldn't really hear an individual voice. It's where we're all sort of working sort of together. And um, so, so what, would, what would we define now then? I think, I think Bruce Tuckman put in a, um, a fifth stage at the start of the 70s recession about mourning, I think, yes, which is where that's right. if a load of people suddenly go, oh, there's change, you kind of get stuck going, oh, it's never going to be the same, et cetera, et cetera. What, what would you say stage? What's 2021 in terms yeah. of the vibe you're getting about where teams are feeling? If this was the Tuckman model yeah. through a COVID lens, oh what, my what God. would you say we're at now? <laughs> I would probably say we're at the boring stage of it. It's the same old, same old. We, you know, we got through it and we've done it and we're a bit bored with the whole setup. So I would put us at boring at the moment. Um, and I think it's that bit that says, you know, where do we move it to? So, you know, if we, if we take the analogy, you know, how do we move, you know, because potentially if we stay boring, we get lazier and lazier and not focus on the things that we need to focus on. Um, whereas actually, if we start to think about how do we soar, so soaring, um, you know, we, we will absolutely generate a different feeling, a different vibe, some a different energy that sits, you know, sits within us and motivates our teams and each individual, because we're, you know, we're ready to you know, mix it up a little bit, I think. And, Bring in some variety and not do the same stuff. Oh, my God, Debs, I love it. So what would be your top tips to go from boring to soaring? And this could <laughs> you, this could be your personal life, couldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Be, we are so bored of cooking the same meals. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, or we're so bored of the way the team are meeting, there's nothing else we can learn about each other's backgrounds at the moment because we're just looking at the... There's, there's not even a mix with that. So what would be some tips you would suggest for someone who's looking to mix things up a little bit, to get the team flapping with energy, not stress. Yes. Um, so that we can, you know, get a bit of energy for this um, next stretch of the migration. Yeah, I think it's asking yourself that question. So how am I going to mix up my routine? Um, they would be a question I would ask you. And what do I need to do differently? You know, because if, if I continue with, you know, that's what I do, um, actually, and it gets boring, then how do you mix it up a bit and, and do something differently? So take some time to think about, um, you know, what you're going to do differently. So you generate more energy. So you could have your metaphorically, you're, you know, you're stepping into the sidelines, if you like, um, a bit like the geese do, um, to know that actually I'm going to go down this way now and let somebody else take that 
that. So the energy shift changes. I'm still, you know, in control. I'm still part of this team or part of this family unit or whatever it might be. Um, And I'm part of my friendship group, even though it might be remotely. But it means I can just mix it up a little bit and um, generate a different kind of energy, I suppose, that's going to help motivate you to move forward through this period of time. Um, Probably with a bit of a plan, I think. Um, That's probably also something I know... Um, I've been looking at different things and people going, don't focus too much on the future. Don't look too much into 2021. And and I'm going, why would you not, though? You know, if you if you're planning and you're thinking around what can I do even day by day or week by week or month by month, you, you have to have an eye, I think, on on the next couple of months and what's happening so that you've got something to look forward to, I think. So, you know, for teams as well, it's maybe thinking about, you know, how are we going to ensure that we do pull together to get through this by, you know, not doing the same old boring, same old, same old, same old, but, you know, bringing some energy in and using other members of your team to ask them, you know, People are so creative, you know, that you can ask them, well, what do you think we could do differently? Again, leave your ego at the door, ask, you know, reach out. Yeah, well, there's a song there, it. isn't there? Reach out, there. reach out. <laughs> I'm not that bored. Um, yes. <laughs> You're going to sing the next podcast. No, it's all right. Thanks. No, no, it's all right. Yeah, um, let's not do that. <laughs> so, you know, I like a practical bullet point. So I'm thinking, Debs, if you have regular team meetings, rotate the chair. Different oh, team yes. member kicks off the meeting, looks after the agenda. That means then not only are you giving a bit of relief to the leader, because leadership is a two teamwork is a two way street, isn't it? Yeah, it's not all definitely. just kind of pulling on the wings of one individual person because that's not good for anyone, really. So rotating a chair, simple stuff, but we can get stuck in the same old, as you said. Um, Learning something together as a team. So something that's brand new, just for giggles. Do you know, I remember I've got fond memories of running stuff with different clients over the years. You know, the old learning at work week. Yes. And that's where people would just learn. I know, back in the day when you sat together in chairs. Yeah. Um, And I wonder if there's some kind of, um, you know, just just learn for the sake of it again all that sort of in energy we had maybe at the start of the migration you know back in March can we bring some of that together mm, and um, yeah switching positions you know so yeah. what about if we kind of um you know went in on each other's meetings and just uh, or accompanied each other or just worked out what everyone's kind of up to so nothing too complicated but we've been flapping for miles now so now's the time just to kind of maybe mix things up a little bit um and I know we we talked about that, didn't we, Laura? Because we've sort of reinstated our monthly, you know, catch ups um, with the, with the wider team that you know we work very closely with to give that extra support. And you know, you offered to say, look, I'll, I'll take the next one, and because you can share with us some stuff from the new scientists. So so all of robots. us robots. Shh. Don't say that word. But we're all going to learn something. <laughs> you can't wait, can you? <laughs> if anybody's interested, our meeting's not that far away. So uh, we'll let you know what comes out of it. But um, I think this is the thing. It's that, you know, if, if I was that, if you like, I, I say a leader, I'm, you know, I'm not, we're all in this together. But if I was and I went, oh, well, you know, that's not good, is it? Someone in my team wants to take the lead. Yeah, why would you not let somebody who's got the passion and enthusiasm and go, yeah, yes, please, please do, because it, it just means that, as you said, somebody else is taking over. We're in this together. There is no um, ego, no judge. It's just like, oh, I am not alone. And I think, you know, that's the key message. And it gives you something to sort of set as a bit of a challenge as well. Yeah, you yeah. know, we need challenge. We, yeah. we're, not, we're not sloths. 
we're no, humans, we're you know. Yeah. We like to progress and yeah. move forward. And if this was a physical flight, at this point in the transatlantic, the co-pilot would be swapping with the captain or however exactly. it works. You know, yeah. you, you would just swap over. That would be the safe thing to do to keep those passengers flying. Because if you are flying the plane, you have a responsibility to keep yourself fully present to ensure that all those people that are there on the flight with you are okay. So it's not an abdication of responsibility. It is making the responsible choice in that moment and, uh, you know, it mixes up the energy a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I I'm think dying also, to talk about robots. Yeah, I know you are. You have to wait till next week. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, just when you were talking about how um, uh, uh, the birds kind of all relate and interject, you know, with the other seven that are near them, of course, that's all the technology that's happening with cobots at the moment. So how do you ensure that a fully automated warehouse, all these robots don't just bash into each other, they're continuously communicating and adjusting all their micro movements in relation to the others. So that technology is happening with a physical movement, which is why it's so important for us to keep up from a, an emotional point of view and an energy point of view from the conversations. Otherwise, we're just going to get further and further apart. And if we were, if, if those were machines, that, that would not be a coordinated way of working. So yeah. That's no, my little robot bit there. I like that. You're allowed that one. And I think also that's a good catch, actually, Law, because that bit around, you know, if we if we do that and we do that well, actually the focus is on our mental health and resilience as well at the moment. And I think, you know, it we how do we help people build their resilience and and ensure that they they can be at their best and you know and, and just you know, just helping people, talking about it. You know, if, if you're not having a great day, you know, this brave face and, oh, I'm not allowed to say, you know, how I'm really feeling. Why would you not? Because somebody may support you. And I think we did a couple of workshops this week where we were saying around, you know, you've got to look after yourself first. So you've got to put your own oxygen mask on before you can potentially help somebody else. So so if you're not looking after you, as you said, you know, like the geese, you know, if he's only the only one doing it and everybody then follows him in and dives into the sea, then you're you're not doing and not being at your best. So I think there has to be a focus now on our mental health, our, our resilience. Um, you know, what can we do to look after ourselves well, which I think is key as well. And, you know, the geese, when they see that one of them is struggling, they honk louder and they fly closer oh, to then as an act of support for the that's geese. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, it's lovely, isn't it? Um, so what are we thinking then? It's a mutual responsibility to maintain that formation. Yes. That's how, as a team of people, we stay in each other's slipstream, which is all the benefits of the team. We feel connected, feel, you know, that we're, we're part of something that is beyond our own individual mood, which sometimes can be the bit that means you get up out of bed in the morning with a spring in your step more than you might feel individually because you've got a team that, you know, is going to kind of pep you up. Love your bit about moving from boring to soaring. So what would be your final challenge that you would set someone who is thinking, yep, we are getting a little bit exhausted on this vibe migration. <laughs> yeah. It's getting a little bit boring. What would be your final takeaway message for someone? Yeah, I think that together, I think whether this is a family unit, a friendship group or a team, um, whatever, I would say identify together, be honest, have those great conversations, communicate really well, include everybody in it. 
what is potentially our biggest challenge you know, or challenges over the next couple of months. And then I would plan, you know, put a plan in place so that we're not waiting for COVID to finish because then you'll be behind the curve. So think about the plan um, now and be on it so that you're ahead of the curve and you're and therefore you're building the momentum so that, you know, you're just ready. Whatever happens, you're still ready and you're doing what you can do, which, you know, is fills you, you know, with joy and and taps into your passion and your values, I think. So, yeah, that's what I would do. You know, ask yourselves, what do we do to pull together? And then what ask the next question is, and what are we going to do to get through this? I love it, Debs. Do you know what? I feel fired up now. I'm ready to just go and flocking do it, I think. I'm all about the geese now, <laughs> flying on this kind of migration. I think Love it's time it. to just get over ourselves and flocking do it. What can we do to just rev things up a bit and move from boring to soaring? <laughs> Love it. (laughs) Right. Well, thank you so much. I feel better. Hope those listening feel better as well. Um, If you're feeling like things are getting a bit boring, you are not alone. Between me and Debs, we've spoken to hundreds of people this week and there's something in the air. So let's kind of use that metaphor in terms of continuing strong together um, as geese formation on that migration. Also watch for the media because they're all talking about Blue Monday that's coming on Monday. And I think if you know it's coming, um, mix it up and just make that a marvellous Monday, um, you know, and lift your spirits with colour and joy and, and, you know, don't make it a Blue Monday, make it a, you know, a, a marvellous Monday is what I would say. Marvellous Monday. I'm going to flocking do that. Right, Debs. Love you. <laughs> Love you too. See you later. Bye. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email on secretsfromacoach at aol.com or follow us on Instagram at secretsfromacoach. 